0: is called under the middle. Now it's a foot race to the end zone. Mitchell, Brinkman, touchdown. Huskies, 38 yards.
1: A late game offensive search wasn't enough for NIU to overcome a 14-0 deficit early against Vanderbilt as the Huskies fall to 1-3 in a 24-18 loss in Nashville. Now the Huskies will wipe the slate clean as they begin mid-American conference play, they return to DeKalb to battle for the bronze stock against the Ball State Cardinals. Hello everyone, I'm James Krause, joined alongside Mike Knapp again. This is the Northern Star Red Black Football Podcast. Mike, how are you doing?
0: I, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm excited for a home game this weekend.
1: So before we get into that, let's talk about this Vanderbilt game a little bit. They jumped out to a huge lead early, and, and ultimately I think it's one of the things that might have downed them. Is just not having much of a response early and giving up too early touchdowns. How do you think it affected how NIU played?
0: Well, they looked a little flat-footed to start. I I couldn't uh, I couldn't believe that Vandy showed up with so much energy and and they were just ready to play. I don't I don't know if it was the uh, the start time or what it was, but I'm sure five minutes into the game, NIU's probably wishing that this was a uh, this was a game of Madden and they could just hit the reset button and start over but um, Vandy came out they made some big plays at the at the beginning of the game but one thing I noticed was just for those first two series a lot of yards were gained as a result of sloppy tackling I mean in in just those first two series uh, the Vandy skill position players broke so many tackles and i don't know if ultimately that would have kept them from scoring if they could have if the defense could have made some of those plays but it would have made it a little more difficult cuz they just marched right down the field twice in a row put them in a hole and then forced them to play from behind, and I know that they wanted to establish the run game from the the start, but you can't really do that as much as you want to when you're down 14-0 and it's 95 degrees.
1: Obviously, that game is something that I think coaches, especially here, can now point to and say you have to play a perfect 60 minutes because the defense outside of those first two drives, I think they played excellently, Uh, especially in that first half. They killed them out of the end zone. It was kind of a punt fest the rest of the half. And they were able to keep it close as a result, but those two touchdowns early really did them in.
0: Well, when you look at the fact, the last 55 minutes of the game, they gave up 10 points. And if I'm not mistaken, one of those drives was extended as a result of a penalty. Um, So, you know, they got points out of that, which we can talk about penalties again this week because they were, again, a factor. But, yeah, I, I thought the defense, especially against the run game, was fantastic.
1: Yeah, nine penalties for both squads. Even while NIU got more first downs and they got more total yards, I believe uh, that those penalties became costly
0: for them. Well, especially when you get the the ones that are fifteen yard variety, and and that's uh, one of the big killers. And uh, you know, you look at that situation with Jordan Cole when you know he was called for targeting and. and uh, got tossed from the game, that was a huge play he made. You know, that would have put them in, I think it was first and 10, that would have put them in, like, second and 20. Instead, they had they had first and 10, and they had 15 yards added to from the line of scrimmage to that play. So that play right there was a huge swing, and then you have him leaving the game, and you got to go next man up, which uh, has maybe, if, if you want to... Uh, put a title to the defense that's really their uh their title this year is next man up just based on injuries and uh game suspensions for targeting and I mean this is what three targets targeting penalties in four games I believe I believe so and and
1: we'll get more to the next man up sort of mentality that this defense is going to have to take uh in our preview but another thing I wanted to touch on this offense out of halftime Really got things going, mm-hmm. uh, and and it seemed like it was a totally different team out of the half. They scored ten points in their first two possessions, scored three of the first four until the last drive, which we'll get to again in a second. What do you think was the biggest difference for this offense coming out of the locker room?
0: I think they got a couple more. Uh, they were they were able to bring out a couple more weapons. I think the run game they got some coming out of uh, halftime. They got some really good gains on the run game right off the bat. I think the I think the first run. Uh, to start the third quarter was at least for a first down. I'm not sure exactly how many yards. I can't recall. I think it was 12 to 15 yards. So that was a good sign. And then they got the tight end involved in the game, which we talked about last week, and, and how that seam route. I, I, we've talked about it a couple of we- the last couple of weeks. It seems like that seam route in the college game is just there all the time. And they got a touchdown out of it. They got several first downs out of it. I really thought if uh, the mistake, you know, that was made, take that away, and if they had had um, fourth and something reasonable um, on that last drive, that seam route, I I was hoping if they were in fourth and reasonable, like five or six, that they would have pulled that seam route out um, late in the fourth quarter uh, because I think it would have really gotten them a big gain.
1: And IU seemed to get some of the breaks that they couldn't get themselves in that first half. A missed tackle on Brinkman led to that long touchdown. Uh, They were able to get some big pass plays early and and get drives rolling quickly. That's how they got that first field goal. And, of course, they got one late uh, with Jones running it in and the two-point conversion to make it a six-point game. But you mentioned that last drive, and that is where, ultimately, I think a lot of people are going to look at it and say – this was the ultimate deciding factor because mm-hmm. they were driving down the field. They got into Vanderbilt territory, a fumble by Bowers on the snap, a lateral attempt to Michael Love. He loses a bunch of yards. And then I think it was the next player to play after that, NIU has to call a timeout because they're not getting set. And you see sort of the conversation on the field between Hammock and Bowers. Communication now going into mid-American conference play, how important is that going to be? Because there was something – that really factored into some of these early non-conference games against Nebraska. We saw it against Vanderbilt. Communication is going to be a big deal moving forward.
0: Well, of course, and I think especially uh, against a team like Ball State where they're probably going to have to score a lot, you don't want to – you can't waste plays. You can't waste timeouts. And and if you do make a mistake, just take your medicine and, and get it over with, you know, in that situation – on Saturday in that final drive, in that situation with Bowers fumble fumbling the snap, he should have either just fallen on it or he should have picked it up and maybe tried to get a couple yards out of it. Yeah. You know, that- maybe he could have moved the pile forward. And instead, he was like, well, we still got to run this play. What's unfortunate, and the commentator said it too, what was unfortunate about that fumble and then the subsequent bad lateral and stuff if they'd have executed that play, they'd have popped it. They had a yeah. wide open receiver, and they were probably going to get a touchdown. I believe out of it.
1: I believe it was uh, Harbison who was yes. off, and, and the lateral kind of compounded a mistake with an even bigger mistake because it was maybe Michael and Ross uh, trying to make a play that wasn't there, and unfortunately that was the case. You mentioned uh, mistakes being a big factor against this Ball State team. They have seventeen returning starters. On both offense and defense, combined nine in total on defense alone.
0: Yeah, and I'm really trying to get a read on the Ball State offense because they can score points. But um, you know, they played Indiana tough. Uh, they played uh, North Carolina State tough. Lost both games by a touchdown. Uh, ran all over Fordham, and you know, which uh, I don't know much about Fordham, but they're. But I'm just not sure the quality of that competition. How many points does Northern have to score Saturday to hang with them, or to you know to out? They're going to have to outscore them. Let's put it that way. Out,
1: outscoring is how <laughs> football games are won, and and it might be a shootout we see on Saturday night. And we talk a little bit about that with this week's guest on the podcast. It's transfer quarterback Ross Bowers. He's been hot through these first four games. We talked to him about how he is adjusting to NIU and how he feels going into his first battle of the bronze stock.
0: Trying to run it for the score. And a ball. touchdown!
1: Joining me now on the Red Black Football Podcast is quarterback Ross Bowers. Ross, thanks for joining us on the program.
2: Yeah, no problem.
1: So the first question I've had, you've had four starts now, kind of getting back into the role of regular starter. Mm-hmm. How does it feel to kind of be back in that groove of in and out, preparing every week to play?
2: Yeah, it's been it's been well. Um, you know, not getting the end result that we wanted as much throughout these four weeks um, in terms of wins and losses, but been getting a ton of great uh, reps and a bunch of valuable um, game experience that. I'm excited to take with me into Mac play and um, just keep trying to you know get better each week and you know just keep trying to strive for greatness.
1: Uh, The offense struggled early against Vanderbilt but in the second half you guys came out and you scored on I think three of your first four drives. What was the adjustments that you guys made at halftime that really like brought the offense to life?
2: Yeah there was um, a couple little tweaks that our coaches made that definitely helped pop some plays for us. Um, I think it was more so just uh, increasing our level of urgency. Um, that was our biggest thing our, you know, our coaches really harped on. Um, you know, just kind of picking the energy up and um, you know, just trying to eliminate mental mistakes as best as we can. So that's really, the, you know, I think that was really the key to our second half getting much better and um, you know, if we, we, if we can do that for you know four straight quarters I think will be pretty good so. Team offense not
1: to their own fault necessarily found themselves down early. Was there any sense of urgency being down you know two touchdowns that early in a game?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah for sure. Yeah when you see that all you want to do is just help the defense out by matching those you know those two scores that they had and uh, unfortunately we couldn't get that done for them and uh, you know and then had the chance at the end of the game and just still couldn't capitalize so um, you know it was just a frustrating couple drives there and, um, you know, some stuff that we're going to have to learn from and hopefully have never happened again. You guys are going to be
1: facing a Ball State team now that has forced at least two turnovers in each of their first few games. How important is keeping possession and not turning the ball over going to be for the offense this week?
2: Yeah, that's definitely one of our main focuses um, this week and every week, so um, that's going to be another... Th- another point of emphasis in this game plan uh, for sure and then you know definitely with how you know with how good of a team ball state has you know you can't give them extra opportunities especially with how explosive their um, offense is. so it's going to be crucial for us to keep their offense off the field and not give them any extra chances or opportunities that they would have gotten. Um, otherwise. This is a Ball State team along
1: with NIU that's been very pass-heavy early on in their non-conference scheduling. Are you excited to have kind of a shootout against uh, the quarterback from Ball State,
2: uh, Drew Plo? Uh, yeah, you know if that's what if that's what the game requires and um, you know that's what we have to do to win and then, then great. Um, you know not really um, ever thinking about the other quarterback or other offense to be honest. Um, you know just it's just kind of the way, just because we don't ever have to really play against them. Right. You know, so that's kind of my thought. But, um, you know, it's going to be fun knowing that, you know, somebody that's running, you know, a very prolific offense, you know, we're going to have to be um, just as good, if not better. So it's going to be fun um, for us um, having to match their energy and match their um, their level of play.
1: Last question about the rivalry of Ball State, uh, Northern Illinois. The guys that joined you in the press conference, they've been here a few years, they've talked about it. The bronze stalk statue. Mm-hmm. When you first saw the statue, and we're sitting actually right across from it right now while we're doing this interview, what were your first initial thoughts? Because even the players who've been playing for it for a few years still say, it's an ugly trophy, but they, they love to win it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Um you know, it's, it's definitely a different, unique trophy within itself. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, I wouldn't use the word pretty to describe it, that's for sure. But um, <laughs> definitely not, not an ugly trophy, but something we're definitely chasing, and it's going to be a fun uh, fun Saturday uh, game to go get it. So we're excited and um, really looking forward to, to today's practice to see uh, how much better we can get. So be good.
1: Ross, thanks again. Thank uh, you. Good luck to you and MacPlay play this year.
2: Appreciate it. Thank you.
1: So that's our interview with Ross Bowers. He gets set for his first match of the season when he plays against Ball State Saturday. And, Mike, you were telling me before we started, these conference games are going to be major, major, majorly important. Especially to this Huskies team going into the season, especially a game like Ball State where they have a great shot of winning.
0: Well, and you look at a year ago their their record after six games. I know this is game number five, but the record after six games was two and four. Um, but they really took care of business in conference play, which got them into the MAC championship game, got them the the conference title and a bowl game. So. Um, you know, these next several weeks through uh, through between now and Thanksgiving, uh, you know, they have to win as many, obviously, of course, win as many games as possible, but that you and I were talking about earlier, there's a lot of toss-up games in there for them, and so um, they really uh, have to reach the point where they're playing 60 perfect minutes, and that's got to start this weekend, especially looking at the fact that um, they go to Ohio, then they go the next week to Miami, and so that's uh, two games against two tough opponents, and you certainly, if they start out the conference season um, 0-3 or something like that, then they're really in deep trouble. But if they can uh, get two of these three games, uh, you know, I think that will go a long way. I think last week they found the formula in the second half, and I think if they can repeat that formula in-conference play, I think they'll be successful.
1: Let's get into this game with Ball State. It's going to be a fun game, I think, to watch because Ball State enters off the bye week as the eighth-best team on average in passing in the country. Uh, this could be a shootout. We talked a little bit about it with uh, Ross Bowers. This could be a big shootout. Do you think NIU is going to be well-equipped for a shootout against a pass-heavy team?
0: I think so I uh, because they can throw the ball. Uh you know, um, NIU runs a lot of plays. You look at the Nebraska game even, they ran a lot of plays. and, and it wouldn't be surprised, it wouldn't surprise me to see maybe 200 snaps between the two teams on on uh, Saturday afternoon just because of how fast they play. So what's unfortunate is is the defense, both defenses could look like they're being lit up, you know, because both teams could get, uh, four or five hundred yards, maybe even more in offense. Uh, but it's just that they're just going to be out there uh, playing tempo, running a lot of plays. And the more plays you run, the more yards you're going to gain. The quarterback
1: for Ball State, Drew Plitt, has 1,373 yards and 11 touchdowns so far this year in his four games played. He had a career high 57 pass attempts in the Cardinals' last game against North Carolina State. Going now onto how they're going to defend against that pass attack, uh, this is it's another week, and there's another player that is going to miss time for NIU's defense. Jordan Colby mentioned it in the first half, targeting penalty in the second half of that game against Vanderbilt, and he's tossed from that, and he's going to have to sit out the first half. Replacing him is true freshman in his first start and only his fifth college game ever, Nick Ratton. Uh, he will start for him Saturday at outside linebacker. How big of a factor do you think that's going to be, having a guy seeing his first real, like, repeated reps uh, come in conference play?
0: Well, um, thankfully they knew this was coming all week, so I'm sure he's been in with the first team all week. And, of course, game, uh, game situations are different, but, uh, you know, he's been – in with the defense, he's learned what he needs to do, and he he's kind of learned things about the guys around him. So I think he'll be okay. I mean, the main thing um, they need to avoid is just being beat over the top with this passing game. I mean, if Ball State just wants to run, you know, things in front of the in front of the secondary and run that all day, that's fine. But just don't let yourself get beat long because that that's fast points and if um, you can neutralize a pass offense if you can just keep them uh, underneath you and make them you know run a lot of plays to score make them run clock you don't want them just doing you know two three minute bursts that end up with points if they have to grind out seven eight minutes in order to in order to get anything on the board um, then that's fine but you have to keep the ball you know, in front of you because if they start beating you over the top, and that's what happened in, against Nebraska, if they start beating you over the top, it's going to be a long day.
1: It'll be certainly a big test for the secondary. McKee, Foster, Williams, Haney, they will all be in the game. It seems like... Even with as depleted of a linebacking core as they have, the defense has still been able to hold pretty strong, and pretty soon they might be getting a big piece back. Ben Leroy returned to practice this week. Not sure what his status will be for playing this Saturday, but certainly it will be good to have him back and get some some fresh bodies back in the lineup.
0: Right, and the, the great thing about the defense is, again, I thought they played really well the second half against Vanderbilt. They're so good at stopping the run. You know, and so if they could just – get a little better at stopping the pass. Uh you know, it would be stout. I mean, nothing really compares to the defense they had last year, of course. But you know, they could they could really become one of the more solid units in the league if they can just uh you know, keep from big plays. I I don't I don't know how many uh yards rushing Vandy had, but Uh, You know, I think one of those was a 60, 70-yard run. You throw that out, you're holding Vandy to under 100 yards. I mean, you know, when you you take away all the big plays, NIU's defense is really good. It's just that they have that penchant for for giving up some uh, plays of 30 yards or more, and, and that's what they need to handle, especially this weekend.
1: Something all week that we've heard Thomas Hammock pray on, is the weather forecast for this game? We talked a little bit about the weather forecast for the Vanderbilt game. This one could be big. Fifty to sixty percent chance of rain. Obviously, if if you live in DeKalb, you know it's been, you know, hot one day, rainy the next, on and off weather all week. He is practicing his rain dance right now as Tom Hammock, because he seems to think his team's style is really adapt to play in that weather. In what ways do you think that the uh, rain would benefit NIU? playing this Saturday?
0: And in what ways do you think they might struggle with the rain? There was a coach years ago, I forget who it was, who said the only thing that can affect a passing game is wind. So um, that said, it really is going to depend on how hard it rains. I mean, if it's pouring down rain and they have to run the ball more, um, then I think, yeah, that'll work to their advantage. And I think a heavier rain will work to their advantage if Ball State has to run the ball too because they're so good against the run, I think in conference play the run game is going to be very much improved. So um, I think it, the weather, the factor, will just be the the amount of rain and how hard it comes down. If it's just a mist or if it's just a you know kind of intermittent thing, say like it was in the Illinois State game, um, you know that won't neutralize anybody. But if it if it really if the wind kicks up. And the rain starts coming down, and it becomes more of a short-passing game, grind it out sort of thing. Yeah, NIU would probably be better at that that type of game than Ball State.
1: I was actually surprised how much Hammock has been talking about he wants that weather. I think it may be more of just to play into their advantages, but it's also going to be a real test for these players. They've already struggled so far this year in controlling the ball. They've had some plays on special teams and on offense. Uh, that have just broken up. And in the in the rain, if it's as heavy as as we talked about, it could be a real, like, that could result in points. That could, you know, turnovers can really mi- be a factor, and we've seen for this team before. It should help their run game, I think, in terms of having to rely more on that run game. Trey Harbison's the lead rusher for this team so far. He only has 224 yards. Yeah. So theoretically, uh, getting the run game going will... Be more of a uh, an attainable thing for this offense going into this week.
0: What this run game really needs is is they need a Thomas Hammack type of game. Yeah, they they need they need to, and I'm talking about Thomas Hammack as a player, you know, and, <laughs> and because I saw him play and I saw games where he would he would just tote the ball thirty times and come out with 240 yards. You know, I, I'm dreaming of a day when when. You know, you get to see that again here in DeKalb because um, that's controlling. That's controlling the game via via the run, and I and I think that's uh, something that Coach Hammock probably dreams about at night too. Since the turn of the century, since Thomas Hammock was probably playing,
1: Ball State has only won this game three times. They haven't won it since 2008. We've heard a lot this week. The senior class doesn't want to be the team that loses the bronze stock.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean. Uh, Regardless of what's at stake, and and, I mean, the the bronze stock, I'm not quite sure what to make of it, but anyway,
1: it's a beautifully ugly trophy. Yeah, it is very much Midwestern, it is very much an IU, I feel like, in in many ways. Oh,
0: absolutely. And it's all it's also one of those things that it's like, man, it's really just kind of ugly, but it's but it's yours. There's not, it's like it's it's um, like having an ugly dog. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you have a you have a dog that that just is kind of ugly but it's like who cares because he's because my it's dog. Yours. He's my dog and he's awesome. And it's kind of the same thing with this bronze dog trophy. It's like the thing is so ugly but it's like it's my trophy and I'm not giving it back.
1: Let's get into the 3 and out before we head out and get ready for this first weekend of Mac Play for NIU. Hustle! First, there's breaking news on Thursday. NIU Athletics announced that they have scheduled a road non-conference game for the 2021 season against Georgia Tech in the Yellow Jackets to take place in Atlanta. The non-conference schedule now for 2021 has home matchups with Maine and Wyoming, as well as a road game with now Georgia Tech and Michigan. A matchup with Nebraska, originally scheduled for 2021, has been moved to 2027.
0: You know, from a... a Fan standpoint, that's just really uh, awesome for the opportunity for them to go uh, play two historic programs in two historic venues, you know. And and from a, a writing standpoint, um, I think I'll still be around in two years. So from a coverage standpoint, hopefully I get to go to both of those games. But um, you know, Georgia Tech is a really unique environment because that stadium is just wedged in between all the dorms and everything and and it's so it's so old and it's just really just a cool place for a football game so I I think that's really uh that's really awesome that uh, they're going to go and and play that game and also to play a different opponent that maybe they have I don't even know have they ever played them before
1: I don't know if they have yeah I know against ACC opponents there I think they said two and eight in their recent most 10 matchups I love to go to it because my family's from the Georgia area. Knock on wood if I'll still be here or not. <laughs> Second down and nine. NIU and Ball State aren't the only teams opening MAC play this weekend. Ohio will be the last team from the East Division to start their conference schedule when they head to Buffalo. Eastern Michigan opens their schedule against CMU, who already has two games under their belt at one and one in conference play. And Toledo will host Western Michigan.
0: I may mention last week. I'm really interested to see that Ohio Buffalo game. Um, first of all, because Ohio was picked to win the league and they've started out one and three, and so um, I'm really interested to see or will bring in in conference play. And then Buffalo is a lot better than everybody had given them credit for at the start of the year. So to see, uh, see what, those guys, uh, what those guys do against each other on Saturday is going to be pretty interesting.
1: Ohio's had some close games that they haven't been able to squeak out, while Buffalo, they had that upset of Temple we talked about. Mm-hmm. Loss of, of some big names and personnel doesn't seem to have been a problem so far.
0: Nope.
1: Finally, a Division III program in Iowa has canceled the remainder of their football season following 11 members of their 39-man roster suffering injuries. Grinnell College announced the forfeit of the remaining schedule in their already zero and three season on Tuesday to quote protect the safety of student athletes. The Grinnell College Pioneers went zero and ten last season as well.
0: You know, Grinnell is is more known for their basketball anyway. Uh, they're the a <laughs> team that uh, you know I, I think their quest is to is to maybe score three hundred points in a game. I don't know, but uh, it. What they do is pretty crazy, but it's really unfortunate, you know. I mean, especially Division three level, these these kids are just going because they they went to Grinnell just because they want to play college football, and it's really unfortunate that uh, even if they were zero and ten last year, even if they're missing uh, so many guys, uh, you know, it's really unfortunate for the kids who are left that don't get to play. But you know, I say. Uh, bring in a couple of a couple more kids and you know from the student body and go to platoon football or you know i mean or two-way two-way football is what a, i'm an saying
1: intramurals team would do against a uh, yeah a, bring just a division three school bring
0: one of the bring one of the intramural bring the intramural flag football champions and and put some pads on them and and let's just go everybody goes uh, both ways and <laughs> and see what happens but you know in all seriousness you know when you're looking at those that many injuries and everything like that yeah it was the roster
1: size they have that's already so small
0: right it was it was the right decision to make it's just
1: i'm ready for football again here at husky stadium coming up on saturday it's it's almost time the mac play has begun soon we're gonna get some midweek action and until then we'll have it all here and more on the Northern Star Red Black Football Podcast. We'll see you next
0: week.